Today's episode is especially fun for me because I get to interview my brother, Greg. And he's an eye doctor, so he'll be sharing all about how screens impact our vision, why you're not supposed to look at your phone before you go to bed, and some simple hacks to help your vision while embracing the fact that we live in a world of screens. Do you ever find yourself turning to your phone without even thinking about it? Or do you get sucked into scrolling and regret not using that time for something else? You are not alone. I'm Alex, a screen time mentor for young moms, and I'm here to help you get a grip on your own screen time so you can be present, intentional, and live a more fulfilling life. Welcome to the Mindful with Media podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today, Greg. Will you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Like you said, my name is Greg Tanner, and I am an optometrist. I'm here in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I've been practicing for about two years now, and I have uh, two little children, a three-year-old boy, as well as an almost one-year-old boy this weekend. He's going to be turning one. And I talk to probably about 15 to 25 patients a day. And a lot of them are little kiddos and everyone else pretty much spends uh, most of their day looking at screens. So this topic is interesting to me. That's super cool. And this is a topic I've done a lot of research on screens, but I know very little about screens and our eyes. So I'm actually really looking forward to this conversation today to learn from you about how screens impact our eyes and our vision and what we can do about it. Yeah, something that I've learned to always talk with about patients is, you know, screens really aren't going anywhere. It kind of seemed like we were going to be able to cut back a couple times, but I think we've all realized how much we depend on them and how useful they can be. And I've, you know, listened to a few of your podcasts and learned a lot. But yeah, I I think understanding that and, and just learning to realize how it affects your eyes and how our eyes work and how we can, you know, continue to use those devices is, is more important than um, just cutting them out. So I love that approach. Embrace that we live in this world of screens instead of just being scared of maybe how it's impacting our eyes that, okay, like this is our reality. Here's what we can do about it. Yeah. Well, if you're okay, I'd actually like to get in a time capsule and kind of go back a couple thousand years because I think it's important to kind of see where our ancestors were and how they use their eyes. If you go back far enough and that you don't have to go back that far, we really didn't use our eyes for anything up close. So when I say that, I mean, within about arm's length to, to about, you know, 10 to 15 centimeters. And with our ancestors, they were looking at horizons, they were looking more intermediate to far distances but that's really changed. Now we're looking at objects up close for extended periods of time, you know, computers, phones, and books. The last place I was at, they asked a question when they were getting worked up as a patient. One was, you know, how many hours do you spend looking at a screen? And I'd say the average is probably eight to 10 for the most part. And that included teenagers and children as well. Wow. That is so fascinating. I've never thought about that. Like, our ancestors and how they used their eyes. Yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit. And, and that's where a lot of the issues come from is, is how that change has affected how we use our eyes. So yeah, how does that impact our eyes? Yeah, well, after doing quite a bit of research, I actually found that there wasn't a ton 
of research that's been done on, on the screens in the eyes, except for something called myopia progression. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I did have to search uh, pretty far and wide to find anything, which is surprising. You'd think there'd be more, but uh, yeah, um, not, not a lot out there. But from what I did find is there's kind of two categories. One was how screens affect adults and how screens affect children and, and their eyes. And so just starting off with adults, there's really two main issues that happened with us as adults. And the first one is um, our eyes dry out. We are blinking much less when we're looking at a screen. We tend to stare, especially when it's you know a video rather than text. And so there, there's been some debate about the research on that, but some have shown that, you know, it goes from about 15 blinks per minute to about seven per minute. Wow. And so a lot less blinking, which, you know, you wouldn't think about too much, but it can affect the ocular surface and really dry it out. That's super interesting. Yeah. The second thing is eye strain. And this is also known as computer vision syndrome. And so if you look that up, you'll see a lot of different information on that. But that really entails things like fatigue, irritation, headaches, especially around the eyes and the back of the head. And that can be caused by an excessive amount of screen time for us as adults. Huh. So that's, yeah. that's for the adults. So then what about for kids? Yeah, kids are interesting. Kids tend to ignore any sort of issue until it's gone too far. So they can kind of go without blinking for much longer than we can before we start to feel those, you know, dry eye feelings and that fatigue. And so they, they really get into deeper problems and that's where focusing uh, problems come into play. In optometry, we call it accommodation which I know we use in English as another word, but huh. in optometry, that is a focusing issue. And so there's accommodative spasm, and then there's accommodative insufficiency. And accommodative spasm is when a child is looking at a screen for a really long time, particularly one up close, like an iPad or a phone and even a book. The child will look at it for hours and hours and, and they won't take breaks like an adult will. Um, they don't really hit that uh, breaking point as, as quickly as we do. Um, and so what will happen is that focusing system will lock in place. And so once they do stop, um, they'll you know look far away and things will be really blurry. And eventually it'll go back to normal after a few minutes, but uh, they'll just take some more time to get things in focus that are at faraway distances. Huh. Yeah. So that happens then, more to kids than it does to adults because the kids don't take breaks as much. Is that why? Or Yeah, there's a little bit of that. There's also the fact that their accommodative system or focusing system is still developing. But yeah, they, they tend to kind of push past the dry eyes, push past the fatigue, and then get to this point where it just it locks up or, or breaks down. And that's the second thing that can happen is accommodative insufficiency, where they just don't have sufficient ability to focus anymore because the system is so shot. And so there's something called vision therapy that you can use to treat that. And, you know, they they can get it back, but the excessive amount of screen time can really cause that system to, to break down very quickly. 
So does that impact kids like needing to wear glasses and contacts or is that a totally separate type of like impact on their vision? Yeah, totally separate. So someone could, you know, be, let's say nearsighted, Um, we call that myopia and, you know, have complete correction with glasses so that everything's clear in the distance, everything's clear up close. But on top of that, that you, you need that focusing system to see things up close and yeah, anyone okay. over 40 knows that uh, that system starts to naturally go. That's an aging process where okay. you need readers for up close. And so they understand that. But uh, yeah, it's it's more a separate system from just the length of the eyeball, which is, you know, nearsightedness or farsightedness. And that kind of brings me to my second point, which is that myopia progression is a, is a really big thing. And that does have a lot of research. If you look up myopia progression, myopia control. Um, You'll see tons and tons of research going into that. Um, And the idea behind that is with all this increased uh, indoor time and screen time, computers at school, the amount of myopia or nearsightedness has just exponentially exploded. Um, And I forgot to get all the statistics on it, but it's going to affect a huge amount of the population by 2050. And wow. so we're really trying to, to stop that early on with different treatments for really anyone under 21, but especially, mm-hmm. you know, under, under 16, 15 is the best time to, to treat that. What type of treatments? Yeah. So for myopia progression and myopia control, the control of that progression, the treatments are contact lenses and you can do either soft contact lenses that are multifocal, meaning they have multiple distances, and that helps uh, relax the eyes and kind of tells the eye to stop growing because that's the real issue is the eye develops and you want it to grow, but it keeps growing and growing and growing until your child comes in and and he or she's a minus one and then a minus two next year and then a minus four. And um, once you get above a minus six, you're in a category called high myopia, and that increases your risk of a lot of different diseases in, in adulthood. But yeah, so contact lenses, the soft ones, the multifocals, the corneal reshaping lenses, which are ones that you wear at night, they reshape your cornea or the surface of your eye at night, and then you take them out during the day. And that actually slows down the, the growth of the eye. Huh. Yeah. And then the prescription drops, they actually relax that focusing system and that one, they don't completely understand how that works because it's the same type of drop that you use to dilate a patient, but it has also shown to slow down with one drop at night, the amount of nearsightedness someone has. And I actually found something on the website all about vision. And I thought this was really good. So I want to read this. Let's see, it goes. Progressive myopia is a concern because it can lead to high myopia, which we talked about earlier. Yeah, High myopia is the medical term for severe nearsightedness, which can increase a person's risk for serious eye problems in adulthood. Some of these include glaucoma, macular degeneration, and cataracts. It's important to manage progressive myopia during childhood before it develops into high myopia. Some children who develop myopia or nearsightedness have a continual progression of their myopia. They need higher eyeglass prescriptions year after year. This is progressive myopia, and it begins in early childhood. 
Research has shown that the younger a child develops myopia, the faster their myopia can progress. And the faster myopia progresses, the more myopic or nearsighted the child will become. So yeah, I thought that's that was crazy. Really good. I think about, yeah, me and my story. I got glasses in third grade, I think it was. And year after year, they've gotten worse and worse and worse. But I feel like they've finally stabilized. Now I'm 26 at like negative 5.5. So I'm just under that negative six. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're up there. I was four and a half, minus four and a half, minus five-ish before I had LASIK. Okay. And our sister, Tasha, I think she was like a minus six and a half. And then our mom is like a minus nine or a minus 10. And she's got a lot of issues from that. And so I always kind of wonder about her and if this technology would have been out there and could have slowed it down if she could have had better eyesight. You know, she's managed, but... Yeah, but as she calls herself, the highly functioning blind person. Exactly. Yeah, she's right on the fence with with that. So So what can we do about it? I guess you talked about some of the things we can do to to prevent... What is it called? Myopic progression? Yeah, Yep. Myopic progression or myopia progression. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a couple of things you can do. One of the things that you can do is what they call the, the 20, 20, 20 rule. And this is really for adults, but it can be used for kids as well. Just the idea of getting breaks. So every, every 20 minutes, they recommend looking 20 feet away for 20 seconds. And that just allows that accommodative system to reset for you to be able to get some good blinks in, relax the eyes, close the eyes if you need to. And so that's that's a good way to just kind of give the, the ocular system a, a reset. And there's a lot of good apps out there that you can use that can, you know, set reminders cool. to take breaks, you know, every so often. And you 20 see that one more time? Yeah, 20, yeah. every 20 minutes Yep. for look 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Yep. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So a minute, an hour, it's not too much. Yeah. yeah. Easier said than done I found, but that one can be helpful. To just and probably healthy for more than just our eyes. I would think, you know, our brains and our bodies and the other, other parts of our bodies too. Absolutely. Another thing that I thought might be interesting was the conversation about blue light have you heard about oh, that? Before? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Please en- <laughs> enlighten us. <laughs> yeah. No pun intended, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, a little bit about blue light. So blue light is a high energy light near the UV end of the visible light spectrum. Um, so it's kind of right in between light that we see and light that we don't see, but it's really high energy and, and damaging. We obviously know what UV light can do to the body. And so this can cause a lot of eye strain. It can affect your sleep-wake cycle. And it does that by inhibiting the melatonin release, which is really interesting. And there's actually a lot of debate on whether the blue light can do more than that and cause like permanent damage. For example, macular degeneration has been thrown out there and you know different things like that inside the eyes. That personally, I'm kind of on the fence on. I don't like to take a stance there, but I, I really do think that it can cause this strain for sure. And especially the sleep wake cycle. So everyone hears that you're not supposed to look at that blue light or look at your screen before bed, you know, within an hour. 
um, but they don't really understand why. And, and it's, it's because when we sleep or are getting ready to sleep, melatonin is released. And so if we're looking at these screens, it's not being released. The biggest source of blue light is actually the sun. And so if you are looking at, you know, a screen that's also emitting that light, it's going to do the same thing that the sun does. It's going to tell you to wake up. And so that's, that's why they tell you not to look at the screen before bed because the melatonin sleep wake cycle gets thrown off. Yeah. That's super cool. Cause I never knew why, like you said, I here don't do that, but I thought it was more just because screens are distracting from trying to sleep, but it actually stops the release of melatonin. That's interesting. I'm sure it, there's something in there that about distraction. Maybe a psychologist could come on and tell for you sure. Yeah. That, but <laughs> I'm sure that's part of it as well. For sure. For sure. So you are a dad of two young kids. You're an optometrist. You are a person that uses screens. Like you said at the beginning, you embrace living in this world of screens. What what do you do to make sure that your vision and your kids' vision is okay in this world of screens? What would be like your your one takeaway? I think it is important to see your eye doctor, especially with your kids, probably earlier than you'd think. Even if everything seems normal, just just getting in there and seeing if they have an uncorrected prescription because a lot of times they'll need glasses and, and you won't even know about it because they're not really squinting. They're not really sitting close to the TV, but they do have something that could be, you know, holding them back and exhausting their eyes a lot faster because of that. Something just on a personal level, we recently discovered that our TV has a sleep timer. And so that's been really helpful because with our, what my wife likes to call our three nature <laughs> he gets really mad when we turn off that screen. And so if we can, the minimum that we can do is 30 minutes. We wish it was less, but we like to just sit him down once or maybe twice during the day and just have him watch 30 minutes of, of something that's, you know, low stimulating, nothing that's going to kind of overexcite his eyes or his brain, but having it turn off on its own, we'll just say, Oh, you know, the TV's tired. So we're going to have to keep it off. And and that's been really helpful. Uh, that's lately. cool. So the TV just turns off on its own instead of having to have that battle. Yeah. 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 Another thing is if you work on a computer, some of my favorite things to prescribe are no matter what the prescription is, even if it's really small, nearsightedness, farsightedness, a little bit of astigmatism is what I like to call an anti-fatigue lens where you get your full prescription. So you clear your vision but you also get a little bit of relief for up-close objects. So computers and phones, when you're looking at those, the bottom part of the lens has some technology that actually does some of the focusing for you. Whoa. Yeah. So not all of it. You still have to use your focusing system, but it just takes some relief off of that. So if you're working, you know, hours and hours, it can make a really big difference. And every time I prescribe that, and they come back the next year. Patients are really happy with that. So, well, and what's that lens. called again? Yeah, there, there's different lens companies that make okay. them. I just learned. Just ask your one, eye doctor but, about it, probably. Yeah, ask your eye, eye doctor about it. They'll they'll know. But one is called Eisen. That's okay. a really good one. And there's different levels that whichever doctor you can see can can give you more or less depending on on what you and they think. Huh. But yeah, I, I can't remember the other one. Maybe Spec or something like that with the, with the other big company, but yeah, they'll, they'll know. I mean, that's their job. So 
How about blue light glasses? Do those actually help or what is your stance on that? Yeah, I think with blue light glasses, quality really does come into play Mm. because if you go on to like Amazon and get like a $10 pair of blue light blocking glasses, they're not regulated. And so you don't really know if it's blocking the blue light. Usually those yellow ones I've found are more like the cheaper ones. The ones that we usually do that are, you know, prescription, those are going to look a little bit more natural, maybe a little bit of a a tint to it. But yeah, I I think, I think quality really matters when it comes to blue light locking. Okay. So Um, they can work, but you just have to have ones that actually block the blue light. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I I think. And is that, that's more just for like during the day to not put as much strain on your eyes. Is that the idea behind those? Yeah. And if you're looking at screens in the evening, you could also, you know, put that on there. Those glasses I talked about before, the anti-fatigue ones, every single one of those is going to have a blue blocking filter on it. Okay. So you could just do something like that. So that would be included. Yeah, exactly. Something that I've seen you do with your three-year-old when he's on a screen, I'll notice you'll kind of like wipe your your hand in front of his eyes is that just so his, he remembers to blink or tell me about that a little bit <laughs> yeah that's that's probably more having a dad as an eye doctor than anything <laughs> uh, yeah just kind of reminding him to blink like I said the, the kids it just they don't know how to you know check themselves and that's me just kind of checking for him and saying hey take a break Blink a few times, but probably more crazy optometrist dad than than anything else. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, I did have one more question. I always have heard, you know, if you sit too close to the TV, it's bad for your eyes. What's the truth on that? It depends how close. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) If you're sitting really close to something, that will cause more strain on your eyes. That Uh, same concept that you talk about that beginning with just looking too close at anything. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're, when you sit closer to something, you have to increase your focusing power to maintain that object in focus. Hmm. And so if you're sitting really close to a TV or an iPad or a phone, number one, your focusing system has to really crank up. And number two, your eye muscles have to strain really hard to keep that object that you're looking at single. And huh. so you're really going to have to work and, you know, for any of these things that we do for, you know, five or 10 minutes, it's not that bad. But the problem is, is we look at these things for extended periods of time, you know, mm. hours. And so if, yes, if you're sitting really close to the TV and you're doing it for several hours, then it's not going to be good for you. Totally. Totally. Okay. that. That's what I wanted to know. Well, anything else that I should know about screens and vision in this day and age? I think there's a lot to look forward to. There's always new technology, even with like soft contact lenses that a lot of people wear. Those are starting to have blue light blocking in them. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. They're also starting to have that anti-fatigue that I was talking about in glasses. And usually every two or three years, there's another just really awesome product coming out. So, you know, go to the eye doctor, ask them 
you know, about new products and, and new ways to, to protect your eyes from screens because they'll have all the, the new good things coming out. Thank you so much. Like I said, I didn't know anything about any of this. So this was fascinating for me. I believe we should stop focusing on the negative aspects of screens and start using them as tools to support our values. We are the first generation learning to navigate this media-saturated society, and it is not easy. You don't have to be perfect, but as you are mindful, technology can be a tool to help you thrive. We are in this together as we figure out how to live a present, intentional life in this world consumed by screens. If you appreciated this podcast, would you make sure to leave a review and subscribe? I'm so glad you could be here today, and I'll see you next week.